Welcome to Better Family Travel with Amy and Kathleen, the podcast where we'll help you plan fun, enriching, and affordable experiences for you and your family that meet your goals. We'll ask ourselves hard questions, reveal our mistakes, and share a new perspective on what better family travel can look like for you. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or your journeys are just starting, you're a better family traveler just by tuning in. Welcome back. We're here with Better Family Travel. We have another exciting guest to talk to today. Our last guest brought a lot of amazing information and insight for us on enjoying our day-to-day moments. Our guest today is going to discuss with us a little bit about some bigger life-changing events that help us to plan ahead when we have day-to-day and bigger trips to look forward to. So that's going to be exciting. Well, I'm really excited to talk to Lisa Jack today. And with that, we'll get started with our interview. I'm really excited, Kathleen, to be joined by our guest, Lisa Deck. Lisa and I have known each other pretty much our whole lives. Lisa started kindergarten, I believe, with my sister, Wendy. And we've played sports together and our families have gone, grown up together, and we've just known each other our whole lives and seen each other through all of our phases of life. And Lisa is definitely a better family traveler. So I'm really excited about today's conversation. Welcome, Lisa. We're so happy to have you here. Well, thank you, Amy and Kathleen. I'm thrilled to be here. How exciting. We're talking about one of my favorite topics, travel. So Lisa, why don't you introduce yourself to our Better Family Travelers and tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and how you guys approach travel. Sure. Sounds great. So my name is Lisa. I live in Massachusetts. I am married and I have two children who are now, my daughter is 14 and my son is 12. And I think we all have become adventurers. We like to experience things. My life has not really gone as planned, which we'll get into in a minute, but I think the one thing that I have always enjoyed is travel and kind of seeing new places and meeting people and doing different things. And luckily my family is on board with my crazy ideas. So it's a good fit. Awesome. It's funny because Kathleen and I have had conversations in the past about whether we prefer to go to like the repeat place or a new place. And I'm curious, given your choice, do you like to go to the same place to have those memories or do you like the adventure of a new place? Interestingly, we tend to be repeat customers. However, I actually love experiencing new places, but I think given kids and given what they like to do. And then we sometimes travel with my parents as well. We have the same standard things we do and they become traditions and they become what we always do. And let's go to that restaurant because we went there last year. And so as much as I like the adventure, I think we tend to do a lot of repeat vacations because of the good time we have. So we just know it's a a good option for us. Just out of curiosity, did you expect to be a repeat traveler or were your visions of a family traveling different than that? No, it's interesting. I've listened to your earlier podcasts and I know you guys were talking about what you envisioned life to be like with a family and traveling and what it actually is like. And I think if you had told me when I was the kids were little, I would have thought, hey, we're going to go to all these different places. I didn't have the list of 50 states, but I did have the list of all the baseball stadiums in the country. Like I had all those lists, but I think pretty quickly I realized that the repeat 
activities would be what we were doing. And it's been good. I can't complain. But I think as we're getting older, now I still have more enthusiasm for trying new places. And I think as they get older, we can all handle that. So that's the hope for the future. Yeah, we get better traveling as they get older because we're just, I think some of it is we're just more experienced with our family. We know our family better. So we can start to push those boundaries a little bit in our comfort zone and keep taking the next step up and up. So I think about that. It's funny. I had a call today at work and I just want to share it with you guys because I think it'll really kind of help with this conversation today. I've really been excited to have Lisa on. Like I said, I've known her forever and she and I both share such a love of travel and we have such an intertwined history. But I had a call today on, as you guys know, I'm a lawyer and for our Better Family Travelers, I'm a lawyer. And the call was actually with a few different representatives from different insurance companies because we all work in house now. But talking with a lawyer actually outside of Boston about what we can do, people who hire lawyers to promote diversity and diversity and inclusion. And what I really like about it and what's really been eye-opening is diversity is so much more than just hiring women or people of color, all different backgrounds, experiences, veterans. We even talked about neurodiversity. And the real reason is not that you need a lawyer who's a woman. You want a lawyer who's a good lawyer, but when you bring in diverse candidates and you start to bring in a more diverse pool, you get to see just really different thoughts and that different thoughts and different perspectives just add such a level of richness and texture to all of our experiences because of the point of view they bring. And this is a long-winded way of saying, I see that with my own family travel. My amazing mom, my mom, my amazing mom, who's my mom, who I love with all my heart, You know, I talked about my dad on the first episode, but my mom was obviously right there. She's a little more quiet than my dad. My dad's out in front, but my mom is there with her sparkle in her eye and the kindest and warmest heart. And she's my mom. But my mom also had polio when she was a child and she has one leg that's physically smaller than the other. And it's just my mom and my mom's an artist and you know she was a she worked in the school department and she goes to church every Saturday night at four except now that of COVID and there's a million things to describe my mom and just having a smaller leg and polio is a part of my mom but it's not who my mom is but because she has that that's something that she has it also has colored how we have approached many things in my family, including travel. And we've had to, you know, as a child, we would make decisions about how we approach different trips because of that. And it didn't stop us. We still did many, many things, but, you know, we would be careful about crowds, for instance. Crowds are really tough. My mom's a little unstable on our feet. And so it took a lot of forethought and planning. And I've struggled with how to explain this situation and how, you know, because I think it's so important to talk about diversity and the different experiences different travelers have, but we're all families. We're all family travelers and our families are just all a little bit different and we all bring a little different to it. So with that, I'd really like to talk, you know, Lisa, on your thoughts about, like you said, that there's your path, like most of us is not a straight line, right? And because I know you, I know that your life changed rather dramatically your last week of college. 
if I were to describe you, like I described my mom, like you have a similar sparkle in your eye. You have a laugh kind of like my mom and you just make people feel good being around you. Can you tell us a little bit about what changed in your life at that point? I sure can. Thank you so much. That's so sweet to say. I grew up with Amy in Rhode Island. We I had the typical, you know, not typical, but I grew up, I played sports, I had friends, I did fun things and went to college in Washington, D.C. It was a great experience. And the week before I was about to graduate, I suffered a stroke. And that was, of course, very, very scary, very eye-opening. I didn't know strokes could happen to young women. I was in the hospital. I had trouble with, I was in a lot of pain from a headache. My left side was numb, confusion. And then when I came out, I had trouble with my hand, but the doctors did, as I was going to say, dismiss me. That's not the right word, but <laughs> release me for graduation. So I did graduate, but it's kind of a blur. And that was the beginning of my health journey, which I will keep short, but it has been about 20 years of challenges. So after that first stroke, Six months later, I suffered a second stroke and was diagnosed with a brain disease. And that led to treatment for that disease, which was very debilitating. It was chemotherapy, prednisone, which is a steroid, blood thinners. And for my early 20s, the first few years of my 20s, I was trying to work, but I was fatigued. I was gaining weight, losing weight, high blood pressure, losing my hair, going into menopause, all these crazy things that were happening in my 20s. And in the relevance of travel, the summer after my first stroke, I went to a few amusement parks around the country because I had this, I think it was denial, but I had this attitude, like, if I'm going to die, I might as well go out having fun. Like, I really was, again, still grabbing at life because I wasn't ready to give it up. Unfortunately, I had a third stroke, but that sent me out of work and also sent me home to Rhode Island. And that's when I reconnected with Amy, matter of fact, because I was pretty down in the dumps and I was like, oh, I'm home. And anyway, I mean, I loved being home, but I was kind of like, I'm not in DC where all my friends were. And like, I wasn't living the life I wanted to, but Amy gave me this option of walking and we started walking and talking and dreaming. And next thing you know, we had a fundraiser and we walked a half marathon in Disney. And, and again, it was kind of grasping onto things that would bring me joy. I moved back to DC and for about 14 years, my life was pretty stable. I wasn't working, but I was volunteering. And that takes me to about five years ago when I suffered a fourth stroke. And now at this point, I'm diagnosed with a rare brain disease called Moya Moya disease. And I learned there is no cure for that. Um, there is treatment, but the treatment's brain surgery. And I found out I would need two brain surgeries. At this point, I'm a mom of two, two young children, and I somehow have to figure out how am I going to get through two brain surgeries. Fortunately, I had some previous experience at being tough and trying to figure things out. I have amazing family and friends and community, and I traveled across the country to have two brain surgeries. Good news. It was tough. It was hard. But here I am today and I'm doing well. I'm able to share my story. I do a lot of that, a lot of speaking and I do a lot of nonprofit work. And it's led me to where I am. Has not been easy, has not been what I planned, but I'm a very lucky person to be where I am. And through it all, I keep traveling. And I think that gives me something to look forward to. It has all along. Even when I went out to California for my surgeries, the first couple of days I had to have a bunch of tests. Then I had to wait a few days. So my husband and I went to San Francisco and, and we were tourists and we rode the Segways and we went to Giardelli and we went over the bridge. Like we did all the touristy things because again, I was like, I want joy. And that brings me joy. So even in my darkest of times, it's always been something that keeps me kind of going. So... That's kind of my story. And that's where I come from in my travel. That's 
I don't want to say awesome, like, hey, you've had multiple strokes. That's awesome. But I do love your approach to joy. Like that fundraiser you were talking about, it was a celebration of life. Like that's what Lisa called it. It was a celebration of life. It was the biggest, most awesome party. And people from so many different parts of your life came to it. From Mm -hmm. D.C., from Rhode Island growing up. I mean, there were just people that came from all over for it. But that idea of spreading joy and living with the joy. I see that again, and I don't mean to go keep going back to my mom, but I think there is something about making that choice that I'm going to choose joy. At some point you have to choose it. And some people are forced more starkly to choose like, what am I going to do? This is the cards I'm dealt. It's not like it's a mediocre set of cards, right? Like it's pretty clear, like that the cards are not exactly what you would have picked had you been given a choice, but that that choice of joy and how it colors your decisions and your trips. I really do remember that from my childhood with my mom. And I'm guessing if I was sitting here talking with Caitlin and Zach, that they would say the same thing, right? I've seen you with them. That's probably how they would describe you (laughs) if they were, if they were going to talk about you too. Your medical history isn't the first thing. That's just part of who mom is, but that's not who mom is, if that makes sense. <laughs> I laugh because my daughter is now a teenager, so and she does love me a lot. In in her good times, she would definitely describe me that way because she is me. She loves like my husband always makes fun of me because I talk about like I want to go have a picnic and I want to fly a kite and I want I get very excited. And um, I would say in the good days, that's it. Teenagers, sometimes they might not say that, but I think someday they will say it. And that's what we remind them of. Now, she's a sweet teenager, but I do think it's funny because I think as they get older and sometimes they want to be with their friends and I'm like, these are the memories you're going to have. I promise you. And it's funny because it's those things that, like you said, you think back and think of those. And I think we all consider that, like, what is it that we're bringing to our children. And part of it is the experience of seeing different places and and learning how to do that. And then part of it really is creating memories they will hold on to and traditions they will hold on to. And I think that's kind of how I approach things and hope for the best, you know, even the bad times. I, I laugh one time, the very first time we brought our daughter to Disney, she was maybe three. And I think my son was under a year. So my parents were with us and they stayed at the timeshare and Caitlin, Brian and I went to Disney ourselves and we were like, you know what? She was like so into princesses. We booked the castle for the princess dinner. We had the perfect seat that looked out over the park. It was perfect. It was like magical. She's in her little dress. It was amazing. And and we booked it for dinner, which of course is a risk. We're like, is she going to make it? without napping, but that was the only thing available. So we book it. At the end, my husband says, sweetie, what was your favorite part of the day? She looks out over the park and she says, not going on the Dumbo ride. (laughs) (laughs) So guess what we had to do? We had to go on the Dumbo ride. But I was like, that was like her, you know, and we still laugh about it to this day that her favorite part was what she didn't do because she was complaining. (laughs) But I laugh because I'm like, that is like, to this day, that's still the thing. We had this beautiful moment and all you cared about was the ride you didn't go on. So we giggle about it today. I think sometimes it's like, okay, we're going to have to take that terrible moment as the best moment. (laughs) You know, the, the neurochemicals that come along with stressful situations actually add to the permanency of memories that we have. So I, so I love to laugh at the worse your vacation with your teenagers is or the worse with your toddler in a hotel mm-hmm. room, the stronger the memory will be. We have the ability to 
change our memories a little bit, kind of like the game of telephone, right? So the mm-hmm. more you the more you ex- re-experience your memories and the more you retell your memories, depending on the environment that you're in, when you are re-experiencing your memories, we have little stowaways or we have little additions to them that like with a game of telephone, the message sort of changes little by little by little with every re-experiencing of those messages. So, you know, it's kind of funny that our some of our worst vacations may 20 years down the line be some of our funniest, most favorite memories to relive right. together because telling those stories and laughing together ends up being the memory itself and right. adding some of that quality to it, you know? So, but you know, <laughs> On top of that, you're also sort of a yes mom. You're a yes person, right? Mm -hmm. You have that baseline yes that Amy and I have talked about before. And I heard you talking about your trip with your husband, you know, when you had to go across the country and you went and experienced a whole bunch of new things, you were kind of being a yes person then like, yes, I'm going to go try all these new things and go to these new places. Were you a baseline yes person prior to experiencing strokes or did that bring some instinct for saying yes to you? I think I have always been a yes person because in life, like growing up, I did everything, you know. You want to be the class president? Sure. You want to do this? Sure. You want to do this? Yes. Because I even think about in college, you know, I I went to Cancun. I went to Mardi Gras because people would say, hey, you want to go do this? Sure. And then they always have the funds or the way to do it. I just figured it out. And I was lucky to have those opportunities. But I do think like in my early 20s, there was definitely a little bit of that, like angry at the world, this was happening. So I'm just going to live, I'm going to go do these things. And probably not the smartest to be going on roller coasters after a stroke. But again, (laughs) you live and learn. You know, our decision making isn't fully at maturity until about 27 anyway. So you Mm -hmm. were working against two (laughs) obstacles there. (laughs) I was absolutely. That is true. Yeah, no. And and it's interesting because I think I've also, in my kind of adulthood now, even after my surgeries, I'm much more cautious than I ever was. And that sometimes drives me crazy because I used to, I like to be the yes person and I get anxious about things now and I might not say yes. Like I used to be the planner and now I'm not as much. And so some things have changed, yet I am the planner for my family. And so I do that comfortably, but I'm not as apt to get my friends together to do something where I used to. So again, things change and I don't know, you can't really figure it out until it's in the past, I think. So some of that's still going on. Do you think that anxiousness is we're also getting older, but the injection of uncertainty that there's just some part of it that you can't control. I'm curious about, because I've seen that too, not with you. And actually it's funny. I have, I actually have some anxiousness when I'm planning for my family and how I cope with it is Catherine's going to laugh. Like I over plan it and I have multiple options, right? I have option and my (laughs) husband's luckily he can't hear me right now, but even if we don't do it, I have option A, B, C, D, and E. And depending on the circumstances, I can route us one way or another. And it's not like, I don't feel like I have to control the entire situation when I'm in the situation, but kind of guide the situation and have options in guiding it. I had health issues, as you know, in my 20s. I grew up with a mom. And I remember you getting influenced by the fact that knowing that for me, crowds, like uh, we had to be so careful about crowds, even if I'm not with my mom. I don't want to say I'm anxious in crowds, but I'm very like, okay, well, we should get to the side and we should do this. And, you know, some of that might be my dad too, making sure we get to the the front of the crowd. My, my dad. Oh my God. So I, you know, for my mom, I learned 
in Disney how to get a wheelchair for someone who needs a wheelchair because she didn't travel with a wheelchair before, but she just couldn't stand in the lines anymore. And so I was like probably 15 or 16 when I figured out you could rent a wheelchair at places. And the bonus of renting a wheelchair at Disney is that you actually can skip the line. But then, you know, in skipping the line and then you get out and your mom gets out and she actually would ride Space Mountain, right? So then you're like, Baker, right? And if my mom's listening to this, she'll probably yell at me, but... But it's that hidden, hidden issues that people don't realize, like you need the wheelchairs because you have to save your energy for the participating in the moment. And I'm curious, Lisa, what your thoughts are on that, or if you've had any experiences like that. You know, I definitely have. And I think in the patient world, it's called invisible illness. And I think if you saw me walking down the street, you would have no idea what I had been through because to the everyday person, i just look like a person. I mean, I don't have any physical issues at this moment. Um, I have at times on and off, but interestingly, um, that makes me think specifically of one instance. So after I flew out to California, I had testing a week later, I had my first major brain surgery, a direct and indirect bypass, about a 12 hour surgery. And then about a week after that, I had the second surgery, which was about a 10 hour surgery, same thing on the other side. A week later, I flew home. Interestingly, you looked at me. I had, you can't see me. I realize I'm talking. I had um, shoulder length blonde hair and all they did was take a razor cut on each side of my, from like my ear to the top of my head. So on each side I had, I think I had 20 something staples on each side, um, which they took out right before I left, but these huge scars, but with my hair down, you couldn't see anything. And I was having speech issues and I was very panicky, clearly, after the surgeries and going home and um, we had a fly home. So we went to the airport and my husband's like, okay, I'll get you a wheelchair. And I said, what happens if somebody comes up to me and I can't speak because that kept happening or the, the wrong words would come out. So he made me a little sign that said, just had brain surgery, having trouble speaking, husband will be right back if emergency and put his number. I held that little sign and I still have it to this day because it was the only comfort I had. And I was like, what if he goes to the bathroom and something happens? Like, you know, I was going through that and I was able to articulate that to him. So again, that's something I learned, like find a solution to what you need to do. I was telling Amy earlier that I need naps most days. And so my days are generally built around that. If I'm going somewhere, you know, we plan time for mommy to take a nap and it sounds nuts. If we're at Disney World, we're not stopping and taking a nap. But the way we do Disney often is we'll do one big day and then the next day is a rest day. And that's because I know I need that so that I can keep going. And so what I have learned is figuring out what works and articulating that and making it happen. And it sounds like you knew what your mom needed and I think my kids know what I need. And so it kind of works like that. And again, it's not a big deal because that's just how we've always done it. And I think that's something they'll just grow up with. And, you know, next thing that I know, they'll be um, giving nap time to people just like, you know, <laughs> as, as an adult, you're pulling them over to the side for no reason. So, well, it's funny because Kathleen and I have one of our other little theories that we have while we're drinking wine and are talking about <laughs> travel is that the idea that for everyone in our family, that there's one thing that you need to do on any trip, on any travel. There's one thing that'll make or break the trip for anybody. And it's not the same for everybody. The The crux of it is to figure out what the one thing is, right? So your thing is a nap. And, and why you need a nap, you need a nap. And as long as you get the nap, the rest of the trip 
will flow. And it's funny because Wade, who who is not head strokes, also he's gonna kill me, but you know, <laughs> he needs the downtime too. If I scheduled day after day after day for him, he'd lose his mind. His one thing is to not be overscheduled and he married me, so good luck. But <laughs> but again, that's one of the reasons why I have multiple ideas going, mm-hmm. but I don't throw it at him. And because he loves the adventure of being spontaneous and not having a lot overly planned. So I think regardless of your circumstance, really being honest with yourself is what's the one thing for myself or anyone in my family that I need to make that trip successful and carving out time and space and permission. You know, many of us women, honestly, let's, let's be honest, don't do that, right? We, we do it for everybody else in the family. That's our nature. Like, all right, as long as my husband gets this and my kids get that and I get the dishes done and I get the laundry done and all of that gets done, Kathleen's Onion article, but isn't that there's some truth in that? And that sometimes life or nature stops us and says, you need this and everything else will be okay. Your family will be okay, but you have to take care of yourself and you need this. Recognizing that you can still do amazing things. I know you have great plans for the summer. You're starting to talk about your summer plans and some of your thoughts. Would you care to share that with what us? What are you on- doing over the summer? We went to Florida the week before COVID shut the world down. We were in Florida and then Anyway, we went to Florida and it was, we kind of knew it was coming and we were washing our hands a lot and wiping things down, but there wasn't any reason not to go. Except once we got home, we're like, oh my gosh, why were we there? But anyway, you know, during COVID, my husband and I started walking a lot. We just would go for our daily walks because there was nothing else to do. And on our walks, we just kind of started thinking, and he's actually um, retiring this year. He'll go to a different job. But he was like, you know, I think I can take some time, like not a ton, but like this might be a good option. And he said, what about bringing the kids to Europe? And we started thinking about that. And then I said, well, we, I kind of have these, these ideas, you know, like there's a few things I'd like to do with the kids while they're still living with us. Like there's a few bigger trips. And I said, you know, I feel like we need to see our country before we see Europe, which actually was good because we wouldn't be planning for Europe right now, considering COVID is still happening. And I don't think in June we're flying to Italy. So um, we kind of changed our tune and we thought, what about driving out West, like doing the Western part of the U.S. and national parks? And I think as I've gotten older, I appreciate nature so much more. And I've seen the Rocky Mountains and I've seen the Grand Canyon, but my children haven't. And so I'm like, what about that? So now we're kind of reshaping and we're thinking about doing, you know, a driving tour out west and we're thinking Utah and Arizona and Colorado and Wyoming and um yeah so we started talking about that a little more you know with rail plans and I actually this is a funny story I went to AAA because I kind of want the actual like things in my hands those guidebooks right well, so so I walk <laughs> in there yeah I, well I didn't know if they did trip ticks anymore and you know I don't know that our trip, because again, we're not exactly sure of the plans, but I walked and I said, I'm looking for some guidebooks. Like, I just kind of want to look through something physical that's not on the web. So they gave me a couple of guidebooks and I said, do you guys still do triptychs? Yes, they do. Yeah. I did not know. So she, I said, do they still go up and down? You know, do you remember the marker? You would follow the marker? Yes. Yep, we are officially old, but... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> this, is, this is a great field trip idea. Hold on. I, I, I think you just inspired me. I'm going to take the kids and we're going to plan this pretend trip and we're going to do the whole like mm-hmm. AAA experience. This is okay. Yes. But they told me they don't flip up anymore. They're more of a booklet. And so there's not a marker, but I still, so the woman was so cute and she said, just give us a week in advance and we'll get it ready for you. And I was like, okay, good to know. My other little trick I've done is I've gone on to every, you know, I kind of, we have a little bit of a plan. So I've gone on to all the potential national parks we'll go to and I've emailed them all and asked them to send me physical maps. And I, I like that because then I can actually like open the map, see what there is to do, then, you know, kind of check it all out. So it's been fun because again, it's the planning, it's the anticipation. It may not even happen. I think it will, but you never know, but at least we're talking about it. But I think it's funny. My kids are like, eh, I don't know if I really want to see like a big hole in the ground. I was like, oh my goodness, you have no idea. So that's the other interesting thing with teenagers. It's, and they're still in a good age. Like we're still at that good age, but I think it's a tipping point because at some point they just want to be with their friends and we're still at that good point. So that's why I'm like, let's do it now because it's driving and it's seeing and do it now. And don't let that stop you. So it, will not. it doesn't matter how miserable they are. You <laughs> keep telling the stories for the next 10 mm-hmm. years. And before you know it, they'll be talking about what a great time it was. Exactly. <laughs> they'll be talking about how awful it was, but they'll be telling it with a smile and positive mm-hmm. emotions associated with it. It might take a decade of investment, but you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh. The other thing I tell them, I'm, so your kids are a little bit younger than mine, but I said, go on TikTok, go on YouTube, do what are you going to do? And find something. I said, we will do anything. Like, help me plan it. Because I said, if there's a hotel made of candy, let's go to it. Like I am open. And that's the fun part. I think you guys have talked about that, like getting the kids involved and you know, they're 14 and 12, like they can find something. And my daughter went on and she found hot springs in Arizona. So we can do that. Like, that's the beautiful thing. Like right now it's an open book. So let's just fill it in and it's exciting. So I hope it does happen. That is super exciting. What though, do you also need to consider, you know, going back to the invisible illness? Cause I am really interested in how you may have to plan ahead, both the spontaneous, the yes experiences, but how, how do you also still have to weigh in planning in rest time or what, are there any other types of considerations that are somewhere in the back of your mind as you're going through all this planning? Um, yes. So I think the key is as much, you know, so right now I think I have pamphlets from probably 50 places. We're not going to go to 50 places. So I think it's a matter of tempering my excitement and making it realistic. But again, making it, we were looking and I, I can see, you know, we need to have some days where I sleep in. We have to have some days we get up. The major considerations for me are having rest, taking medication. So that's easy. I do that very regularly and that's not really an issue. You know, in the past, it could have been doing blood works because that's something I've needed to do at times. Right now, I don't have to do that. So at this moment, knock on wood, there isn't too much that would, you know, I, I can get three weeks worth of prescriptions. I can take care of any blood work on the front or the back end and water. So hydration is very, very important to Moya Moya patients. And even, you know, going to Colorado with the altitude, like water is even more important. However, I'm very good at drinking water, but I do think that's a consideration. So when we travel, if if we're flying, which we haven't done in a long time, but, you know, we'll bring empty bottles into in our bags. And then when we get in, we'll fill them with water because I always have a water bottle with me, which if we're driving, that means a lot more bathroom stops. So again, those are the things we have to think about. 
And I think it's just really being honest with how much is too much. If we go one day, like I mentioned with Disney, we're that family who goes down. And when they were little, we would do a week in Florida and do one day at Disney. Now we would make that day as long as we could, but then we would rest the rest of the time. So we try to find that balance between adventure and fun and relaxation. And it's hard to find that balance, but we often have a pretty good sense of that. I think also now as the kids are older, you know, with sadly electronics, like sometimes they just want to sit on the bed and like binge a show and that works too. So yeah, those are kind of the considerations, which I think are not major for me. There's a lot more people who have a lot more considerations, but again, there's something that some other people might not have. It's funny because that's a lot what my first trip to Disney with my kids looked like too, was we did two days in the park and that was it. Well, we actually we've only gone to Disney once, but we did two days in the park and we had the best time on the off days. And mm -hmm. the further out, I'm so glad we gave ourselves permission for the off days and to do the little things because as memory works, I don't know that we would have gotten any more value out of the exhaustion of going day after day after day to the park. Those rest days in between where we went in the pool, Nathaniel, our littlest, was learning to walk and we went to the what's it disney springs where all the stores are and we spent i don't know an half an hour or so with him walking across a little bridge across the pond <laughs> as he's holding on and like learning to walk and we still talk about that like nathaniel's bridge you know we flew to florida it was warm thank god because it was january up here and it was freezing but recognizing you know that regardless it, it, and it goes back to my point about diversity, right? That bringing all the different voices in and different parts because you've recognized you needed that just because your health issues. But that that attitude and approach is honestly something that would benefit most of us to take that rest time and hydration would not hurt for any of us. So <laughs> it, it's not like it's an approach that's all different that, you know, oh, if we did it that way, we wouldn't have a good time. Quite honestly, those lessons that you've had to adopt and learn, I think really improves the experience for, for all of us. And so hearing that voice and hearing that reminder that it's you should take care of yourself, whether you're forced to because it's a necessity or really you just should, I think helps everybody just to have that part of the conversation and realize that's an important thing, an important part of life and travel. And don't you think that taking care of yourself allows you to be more present in the moment and not preoccupied with discomfort or anxiety about the pieces of yourself that you aren't taking care of so that at the end of the day, you may have spent half of your trip planning where the next rest stop was and making sure you know where you can get a bottle of water or, you know, if you're walking too far and you're getting fatigued, you know, knowing where the benches are so you can sit down rather than spending your day feeling uncomfortable because you haven't taken the time to do those things. Instead, you have you have taken care of your basic needs so that you can focus and, and enjoy all of the experiences that are available to you. Glass half full, right? <laughs> right. Well, and I think it's interesting because I think this is something that all of us have talked about in different capacities because you're, you're right. Like, I think generally speaking, women put themselves last when it comes to taking care of the family. And, and I've kind of been forced to take care of myself. You know, in my early 20s, I don't think I did. I was kind of in denial and just living crazy still. And But you're also in your 20s. And I think now it's, if I don't do the right thing, sometimes my side goes numb and that's not good. So it's like, okay, I need to do more of the right thing than less. But that doesn't mean I can't have fun and adventures and do 
good things and do things with my family and they can have fun too. And, you know, for a while I couldn't do roller coasters and going to some of the parks was kind of a bummer for me. Like it was, I was bummed because I just didn't get to be part of the fun. I was still there, but I wasn't in it. And that, that was hard for a while. I've slowly been able to go back in, but again, now my fear is there more because I took so many years off and, but yeah, you know, it's kind of that emotional piece. Ultimately, I was like, this kind of stinks for me that I don't get to go on these rides, but it's, it's about the kids. It's not about me in this moment. You know, you have to kind of separate that. But I am happy now I can go on most things. I don't go on everything, but I go on most things. But how many, especially moms, are sitting around watching the fun, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe their sides are not going to go numb, but there's there's some something holding them back from the fun. You know, yours is is obvious to you, you know, very much a real reminder, but there's something going numb in a lot of us, I think women in missing out on those experiences and not taking care of ourselves. And the problem is as crazy as this sounds, the subtlety of it and the non-obviousness of what's holding you back and not being able to fully participate and not taking care of yourself, the not taking care of yourself and how that holds you back really is so detrimental. And mm-hmm. it, you know what the solution to that is, Amy? Go on the roller coaster. No. The kids club. Use the kids club, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Use the kids club. Leave those kids and go take care of yourself. But COVID, COVID, in all seriousness, COVID was probably in the last 12 years of my parenting career, the biggest screeching breaks in terms of my momentum of putting everybody else ahead of me. The days of eating the leftovers off my kids' plates are over. Uh, You know, Amy, I started running. I mean, I've always been a runner, but I started training for half marathons and running and running and running since COVID. And now when I think about travel with you over the summer, I was like, well, when, when can I get my run in and where can I run? And are we staying in a place where there's a runnable area? That would never, ever have occurred to me two years ago, a year ago, honestly, Mm -hmm. the fear of something getting in the way of me living life, just the threat of it was enough to wake me up a little bit and allow me to start making some decisions. And they're little ones, but boy, they make a huge impact. And I can take them traveling with me and I can do them at home. They go with me wherever I go. And I I haven't brought this up yet in this conversation, but my mother has multiple sclerosis, which is not always visible on a day-to-day basis. On more fatigued days, it is more visible. It is noticeable and certainly more to herself than it is to anybody around her. But certainly there are decisions that we make when we travel. There are decisions that we make depending on where we park in a parking lot, how far we need to walk to get to the door. You know, COVID has made us think more carefully about where and with whom we're getting together, you know, but the common thread is being able to make the choice that is the one that brings you some some joy just in that moment. Even if it's accommodating something that you need at the end of the day, you're allowing yourself the comfort to just be in the moment. And I think that's really important for anybody to just try not to do one of those life-changing, I'm going to change everything about the way I run my day, but you know, a moment-by-moment change that can just be the difference between enjoying your morning coffee or it's enjoying the trip that you took with your whole family. You know, it doesn't have to be 
giant change. It's just like a little, a little tweak that allows you to enjoy that moment. Totally. Lisa, I hope you come back and tell us about, especially if you go out West, I would love to hear, especially how with teenagers, because at some (laughs) point we'll be there, but really how you incorporate, you know, some of the, I love the idea of incorporating the planning. I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of that. So if you do go out there, I hope you would come back and talk to us about that adventure. Yeah, it'll be an adventure for sure. And I would be happy to share if if we all make it back. No, I'm just kidding. I know, I know you're busy with your advocacy and a lot of other stuff. If people wanted to learn more about you and, and, you know, some of the things you've talked about, is there any good place for them to go and, and look? Um, I would guess probably Facebook. If you have Facebook, um, I have a page that I do a lot of my advocacy work. I survivor Lisa deck. It's I S U R V I V-O-R, and then Lisa Deck, L-I-S-A-D-E-C-K. And if you go to that page on Facebook, you can learn more about what I do and some of my advocacy. And I sometimes throw crazy things in there. So maybe you'll find some of my travel travel tips. You never know. Or travel <laughs> adventures, not really tips. but Thank you so much, Lisa. Well, thank you for having me. It was such a great conversation. And I wish you guys the best of luck. I love this endeavor. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. That was an amazing conversation. She's an incredible person. And I cannot wait to find out how her trip goes this summer. I know. She really is so special. I think the world of her and I'm so glad she could come on. She's inspiring. And she was, you know, before this, the stroke, she, I mean, like she was, she was class president. She was the all American, you know, the idea of the all American, but she's just so kind and so friendly and she carries that through. I'm really lucky to know her. So our better family travel tip real quick today. Can you just give us an idea of how to best pack a travel bag for the kids? Short trip, long trip. What are, what's, what's a super quick, like you got to pack a bag. Let's go. What are your tips? Okay. So here's the deal. (laughs) I have a bag already packed. I don't have to go pack a bag. I know that sounds crazy, but you get so many flipping backpacks and everything from so many things or like those little scrunchy bags you get at the trampoline places if you have a birthday party there. That is so true. I have a thousand backpacks in the house. Oh my God, I have a thousand backpacks and I have a gazillion toys that my kids have played with for five minutes and then show no interest for. And then I just weep for the amount of money I've spent on those toys. I'm like, oh my God, it's landfill being filled and I want the cash back and everything. So- I have three backpacks stuck in a closet that have some toys, like little tiny toys, Polly Pockets are in my daughter's. I have the wiki sticks, those plastic little sticks that you can fold those out. I used to have Play-Doh. That was not the best idea. That didn't travel well. I have some Matchbox cars and Nathaniel's. So I have like a few little toys for each of them that they enjoy, that don't take up a lot of space, that are nice and light, and they never see unless we're traveling. So they're they have that novelty and they remember liking them because they're their toys and then they never get to play with them unless we're on the road. So they, I have a pre-packed bag. It um, helps my need for these flipping toys to get paid with that they never play with. And then they, it also works and I don't have to think about it. It's one less task for when we're going on a trip. I can just quickly grab those bags. I might have to make a, like, a little change if we're flying or something else, but for the most part, they're good to go. That is an amazing idea. I had no idea you'd do that. <laughs> do you have the kids pack them with you or do you do the, Do you do it as a surprise? That's a surprise. That's what it is. They, they plan and pack a lot of stuff, but. Oh, so, so when I'm cleaning out the drawer, we have a little treasures drawer 
Yeah. Uh, you know, you have a junk drawer in the kitchen. Everyone's got a junk drawer. We have a junk drawer in the playroom where the McDonald's toys and the gold doubloons and all those little things that we collect just kind of end up in this drawer. And every once in a while, I will go through it and kind of clear it out. But inevitably, somebody says later on, where's that little thing that I got that time three years ago? And I think, oh my gosh, they do actually remember all this stuff that they had. But if I put it in a travel backpack, they could open it and say, there's that thing that I had. And I don't have to feel like I threw it away and then bad mom. <laughs> yeah, they have those things that they visit. It's it's mostly from where they travel. It's small, it's compact. It's, it's like a little quiet toy that even at a restaurant they could play... Like Polly Pocket. You can play with Polly Pocket in the restaurant if you really need to, right? No batteries. No batteries. Nothing meltable. Nope. All of that. And, and let's be honest, they're going to buy something at the gift shop the first time we go to a gift shop, right? So I don't need to overpack. That's something I keep making it lighter and lighter because the first time I flew with them, I'm like, I must bring a toy store with me. These children, Florida won't have any toys for them to play with, which <laughs> as it turns out was not true. So I do make the bag lighter and lighter as I've done it more. If we're flying, I'll put like, um, like a little snack bag with some lollipops for sucking on for up and down some of their own little snacks and like a little change of clothes too just so it's there and they can carry it but other than that it i pack lightly i pack stuff that i don't have to worry about and then they get to visit old friends they love these toys and they get surprised by them they're like oh look it's the same toys every time they're like what did mom pack it's that's the awesome. same thing that's a perfect tip i'm going to do that tomorrow that's what i'm doing well and on that note yeah that was a really nice conversation with lisa thanks again for bringing her on always brings a new perspective to the conversation to have another better family traveler with us. We are proud to be part of the CMG podcast network. Please be sure to visit clovercrestmedia.com for our past episodes and over 30 different podcasts with a wide range of topics and make sure to join us on our Facebook group at better family travel, participate in our conversations, take our polls, give us your questions. You can also submit comments and questions at ask BFT at betterfamilytravel.com. And that's a wrap. <laughs>